that's it. I mean, that's you it. talk about excitement. We got it. Um, you know, we've we've always talked about we want to we want to really bring the heat. You know what I mean on this podcast. And today we're going to bring the heat because Brother George his his uh, AC went out, and so he's over there just marinating. Bring back any memories oh, yeah. of your childhood. Not like not uh, yeah Beirut yeah Beirut would be hot and humid on the seacoast in the mountains it's cool it's wonderful. Is that where, where did you live mostly? Kind of split. Well, it was the war, so we bounced around quite a bit. But uh, in the end, I think we settled in the mountains. Yeah, it's just on mm. the seacoast. It's terribly humid, so people get mountainitis. That's what we call it in the summer. Everybody goes up to the mountains where it's uh, nice and cool. <laughs> it's wonderful. That's nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, but your uh, well, AC is so broken to, too. Well, it's it's broken at the house. I'm in the office right now, yeah. and it's it's working fine. And uh, you know, really, if you think about it, we've we've all been so spoiled. Um, yeah, and you deal you deal with it when you have to deal with it. The hottest I've ever been in my life was when we went to Haiti on a trip back in uh, July oh. of 2010, just after the earthquake. And I'm telling you, brother, yeah. it was unreal. But it's it's like this is what we're doing. This, this is are we doing this? We're doing this. Okay, then we just have to go with it. There's nothing else, you know. There's nothing else you can do. So, uh, hey, we're hey guys, we're sorry we uh, had to take a week off last last week. Um, Brother George, I don't know if you know this, he's an internationally renowned Bible preacher and teacher. Oh, and yeah. um, All over he the is, place. He got some mountainitis last week himself. He went down to Tennessee, and uh, so he was gone. And I was, you know, if you want to know where I was, I was faithful. I was here. <laughs> I was serving the Lord with my bald head. Amen. I'm so self-conscious about the baldness. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're not Are bald, we doing this? I, I know people say just shave it, but you know what? Did I tell you this last time? Only bald people have told me just shave it, man. Just stop living in oh. denial. Just <laughs> take it off. Never a person with full head of hair has said that to me. Well, I wouldn't if if my hair was like yours. I wouldn't shave it. Eventually, I would, but I don't think this is. I don't this this warrants a shave. A shave. I just it's because of the light. Okay, every time I get yeah, on this camera, right. I see the light. I've got and. Back. Uh, I just, I just, I just hope it's the Shekinah kind of glory, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a term okay. that is! Every, there's so many churches with the Shekinah glory name. I don't know if you know this, but I was, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. Driving down to Tennessee, going through Kentucky, there's a church with the worst name we've ever seen. We kind of like, we have this competition going about worst church names ever. Yeah. And so far, so far, the winner is the Seven Hills Church. It's northern Kentucky. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mega church, man. It's right on the highway. They've got like several buildings, giant buses. It's a church of thousands of people. But the Seven Hills is, uh, you know, like Revelation 17, the <laughs> mystery Babylon, <laughs> the harlot, the yes. whore on Seven Hills. I don't the know what went through those people's minds. To... <laughs> Unbelievable. These people are like, you know. I know what. Let's name ourselves Prostitute Baptist Church. Yeah. We're trying to reach people for the Lord, if yeah. you know what I mean. And it's like, what is that? Now, I'm, you, you mentioned that, and now you got me going because there is a church. I don't know if I can find it. I probably won't be able to now. But I'm going to look it up um, when I get some time. It, it is awesome. If, you, if anybody here uh, has ever been to San Diego, to the Lighthouse Baptist Church, there's a church in that area 
that has an unbelievable name, and I've, I'll see if I can track it down for you. But it figures that uh, has to be in California. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, you, you, I don't know what it is, but the the Middle Eastern guys, some there, there's like holdouts that go back for you know hundreds and thousands of years. You know what I mean? And uh, and and every time I see one of those, I'm reminded, yeah, we're not the first ones on the block. These guys have been there forever, and they're hanging in there. And they come from, you know, wherever, like from, uh, um, they come from the Middle East. And then they all they all move here and relocate, and then they keep their traditions going. And uh, you probably have a bunch of people like that in yeah. in your area, but. Uh, Kind of like Assyrian. Oh, it was Assyrian something. Oh, now it oh. I'll never be able to. Chaldean. It was really cool. Uh, it may it, was, it might have been Chaldean, but um, anyway, I don't want to waste time on it. But you got me going. Yeah. You thinking about the weird? They still thing. they still exist. There's still Assyrians and Chaldeans, and they happen they happen to be Catholic. Uh, most a lot of them and Orthodox, uh, but they mm-hmm. they still exist. Very very I'll small you, groups. Yeah. Okay. Was your wife Chaldean? No, no, no. No, she was a Mandi. Iraqi. Yeah, but she was a Mandi, and she's an even smaller ethnic group. Um, um, and they have their own Gnostic religion where they worship like a, a demiurge. <clears throat> they have like mm. a, this uh, essence kind of overall God that created five emanations of himself, and then these created the world in turn. And they mm. believe in baptismal regeneration. They're, they're heretic Jews, is what they are. They're, they're, not, they're um, hybrid Jews. So mm. they, they have like, they're. Um, Followers of John the Baptist, but they believe in baptism and constantly baptizing throughout your life. And they reject Jesus because they argue that John the Baptist is greater than Jesus because he baptized him. It's a, mm. it's a pre-Islamic religion. It's a really? mess. Yeah, pre-Islamic. But um, yeah, my, my wife got saved, thank God. Her whole family, did, her immediate family got saved. I was going to say, she probably really looks down on you. Yeah. She... <laughs> <laughs> what a heretic. Yes. Yeah. Hand as as my brother would say, hand dipped in heresy. Hand dipped. <laughs> that was his first day in California. I, I he told me he went well. I was asking him about that. Yes, yes, he's, he's out there, there at uh, Shadow Mountain Baptist Church in Morgan Hill, California, and um, it's a it's a sweet gig, if you will. I'm excited for the church, and cool. uh, they've 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 been through some difficult times, but they got a good man now for sure. So. Amen. I'm excited. Amen. Excited for that church. And um, anywho, I guess I mean, we could talk about this all day because it's just fun to talk. I, I have to admit, the last time was awesome because we were in the same room and yeah. there's no delay and the timing was just was on. I loved it. But a lack of day. We must continue uh, mm-hmm. in our separate chambers and abiding in the in the chambers there by ourselves like Deborah. Um, the was it Deborah or no Hulda? Hulda the prophetess who the prophetess, abode in yeah. the chambers there in Jerusalem, and uh, uh, one of the one of the actually one of the singers abode in the pro, abode in their chambers. Yes, correct. And so, anyhow, we're talking craziness. We had a, uh, we had a great time last time, a great time with the Bible conference. Uh, George, how, your trips went well. Yeah, went well. Ohio was great. I love the church. Um, I missed my church. It was good to come back and see them again. But uh, the trip itself, I love Hope Baptist Church in Toledo. Then went up to uh, Michigan, Lighthouse Baptist Church with Pastor Chad Reese. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pray for him. He was just, again, he had third sin placed to his heart. I think he's 42 years old or 43. Mm-hmm. And he had his own revival meeting. So uh met with the guys there. We 
we talked three hours Bible questions on a Saturday night, then did Sunday school there, <clears throat> and stayed for the first night of the meeting to hear the, some really good preaching. Andrew Fluter was there, and Dennis mm -hmm. Knowles, a guy from Tennessee. I don't know if you ever heard. I've of heard him. of him. I have. I, I yeah. haven't. I don't know him, but I've heard of him. That was that 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 was such a good message. If you guys can find it, and then went down preach a prophecy conference in Tennessee for three days. Saw my sister, my brother-in-law, who pastors in Central Tennessee. Elk Creek Missionary Baptist Church. And then my dad came from Lebanon uh, with his wife and he saw my sister for the first time in 17 years. He had never seen her mm. sons. That went as good as it could have gone. Years of prayer just came through on the money. All Almost almost on the same day, everything that we'd been praying for, it just, it was amazing. I really, very, very thankful to the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord for that. And now um, back in Montreal. Back in Montreal. Um, okay, so we're going to jump into Genesis here. And now, you know, you have to forgive us because honestly, sometimes, uh, we just like to talk about, you know, whatever's yeah. going on. And so just, just hang in there. We're going to jump into our, um, our next day and we got some cool, uh, eye candy too. I think this, this time around from brother George, he's got lots of, uh, lots of stuff to share. We're going to share the screen. So if you're not, if you're not watching this, um, then you won't be able to see it, of course, but you can jump on to uh, Spotify, and it's available as uh, as video, or we'll upload this later onto YouTube as well, so you can kind of see what's going on. Brother George, take it away. So we're day 5, uh, verse 20. This is uh, verses 20 to 23. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales. It's the first thing that's mentioned. Uh, and keep in mind, guys, when we read this, this is pre-flood. So whatever you think they look like, they probably look a little bit different and definitely more massive. And every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Hmm. Day five. <clears throat> Day five. We're rolling. Um, okay, and I know you have an interesting chart that you want to share with us. Yeah. Because I'm just... So, yeah. Go ahead. Well, one of the, uh, the... There's so much there, but I would... Don't you find it interesting? I think we spoke a little bit about that last time. How he says, let the waters bring forth... Uh, yes. The moving creature hath life. He, do, he does the same thing on day six with the earth, where he, he commands the earth to bring forth a beast, and then mm -hmm. that happens. It's very interesting wording. Now it still says that God created them because in verse twenty-one, it says God created great whales. So mm -hmm. after after the Bible telling us God said, "Let the waters bring forth abundantly," it ascribes the creative process to God, of course. And even after He creates the land animals. When he says, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, verse 24, at the very end, verse 31, it says, God saw everything that he had made. Mm -hmm. But again, it seems like there's some kind of process that the Lord kicks off. And by the Lord kicking it off, um, the earth is able to generate uh, those life forms. Now, the, the Bible, the way it's written, it, it, leaves, a lot, it leaves a lot of blanks that fill, it fills in later. And so we mentioned the... Uh, that God creates by his word. He says, let there be light, and there was light. But the Bible also says that the, uh, the heavens are his handiwork. So there is, there is a, an active creative process there in play that God himself is, is doing. 
for creating things. So we got to be careful not to read too much into the silence of the of the verses. But I still find it interesting that he says the, for that to happen. Um, and I think here the evolutionists would kind of jump on that and say, well, see, there you go. But one of the things that we keep pointing out is the, one of the big differences between evolution and, and a Bible-believing Christian view of the world is that evolution is utterly random, first of all, whereas this is not, this is directed. Uh, there's an agent behind it, it's God, and uh, everything remains within their kind, which in evolution they do not. So the banana is not going to stay a banana, and the monkey is not going to stay a monkey, whereas these things here, it's emphatically repeated over and over that these things were created after their kind. So that being aside, like the evolution stuff aside, I still think it's just fascinating that uh, the evolutionists are kind of, you know, there's a grain of heresy in every truth. They're hitting in on something that the... Uh, grain, of, grain of truth in every heresy. Right, exactly. That like the constituents are life are there, but you still need, you still, it's still God that first created those constituents and then puts them together and designs them and engineers them, completes the system and then kicks it off and it's off and running. Um, but so that is one thing that's completely different than a random evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I think I mentioned several times ago was that that was the first time I'd ever heard someone trying, a theistic evolutionist, talking about how God used the process of evolution. And of course, there's a lot of logical problems with that. Uh, number one, how does a being exist while it makes its organs? I mean, that's just one of right. the biggest challenge challenges how does it uh create its mouth so that it can eat or whatever a receptacle takes in the nutrients it how does it exist until that point so some of those things uh are just too much but but the concept of of a, of it being a process is definitely there and interestingly enough when you look at uh look at the first chapter of of the book you have God created the heaven and the earth, mm-hmm. and then, and then the, and the Lord says uh, the next thing is verse twenty. Next time the word "create" created. is used, okay. creature, the creature, right? Okay, yeah, right. And then verse twenty-one, God created great whales. And um, but I, what I found as I did some research on this, I was like, oh, so so here you've got God makes things and then God creates things. And I'll just give you an example of, of my study. Uh, I get excited and I don't know if you do this. I know you do this. I don't know why I said that. I know you do this. You get excited about possibilities. Oh, there's a pattern or there's something. And so as I was kind of studying this, I looked at made and created. I'm like, oh, so you've got the creature that's a living being, not like the grass or the herb, you know, or the firmament, uh, the dry land. This is a, br- a breathing creature. That's when the word created is used, but it's actually not true. The Lord talks about how he, of course, in the first verse, created the heaven and the earth. So I just wanted to point that out because if, when, you're, when you're going to study things, uh, our human understanding has patterns, has understanding. Uh, it has a, 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 a history, and it has a library, and it's like, oh, that's like this. Mm-hmm. And it, it tries mm-hmm. to make these connections. And the Bible ruins those a lot of times. You, you, yeah. it, but if you get if you get stuck in that, then you try if you try to fit the Bible into your theory, um, you can get really embarrassed. I, there was something <laughs> um, I, I've been teaching through Revelation, and and this and and I was reading somebody. They're talking about how hell was created for the devil and his angels, but that 
the devil, um, that's what we say, right? But the devil has never, and correct me on this, if, if you will, uh, the devil has never been in hell yet in the sense of being placed there, you know, right. being uh, incarcerated there. He's never been there. And the guy went on to say he's never been in hell and he never will be in hell. And his his point was that he goes into the bottomless pit and then he uh, eventually goes into the lake of fire. But that that sounds great. But then I forgot, oh, wait, but thou shalt be brought down to well, hell um, to the sides right. of the pit. That's right. And it was like, oh, I had such this theory that it was like, that sounds so good. Yeah. But it's just not true. It just it just yeah. trips you up, man. Well, the, it's crazy. Yeah, the bottomless pit is just a section of hell. So it's like uh, saying he's in solitary confinement, but it doesn't say prison. But well, okay. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. we come up with a lot of that. And that, that whole creature made thing created made. I've heard that more than once. Um, try people people try to make a distinction. Um, I don't know if you could because, uh, like you said, the, the Bible seems to use them. Uh, Non-distinctly. Yeah, interchangeably. Uh, you know, we do something like that. The, the Greek scholars do something like that with uh, the verbs for love in Greek, you know, agape, or the kinds of love, agape love and phileo love and, and eros and all those. And the Bible mm -hmm. just mixes all these up like indiscriminately. So mm -hmm. it takes a lot of research. Yep. One verse can mess up your beautiful doctrine. One verse. It's happened <laughs> to me several times. So, Okay, now should we, should we breach the subject um, about... The whale, the whale, in the book of Jonah. Yes, we. I got some notes on that. But first, I want to ask you a question. I don't. I don't know what the answer is to that. Why do you think he creates um, the marine life and the fowls on one day, and then like the land animals on another? I was. I, you know, it always seemed to me like if I'm the Lord, I'm creating all these on the same day. I'm filling the seas. I'm filling the, the the waters with life. I'm filling the air with life, and I'm filling the land with life. Why does he separate that? And then I would have created. So basically, I would have created the fowls and the fish, and uh, the land, the beasts on day five, and I would have left man alone completely for day six. You well, know, let me give you let me give you a weird. Crazy it always throws thought. me for a loop. That. Uh, I'm sorry, you. I, I interrupted you. No, yeah, I'm just saying it always messes, like, I always find the division of putting the beasts on day six with man uh, bizarre. I mean, the Lord knows what he's doing, but I just find it odd. Well, did you see the, the symmetry, the pattern? Uh, here's, here's an idea. The Lord starts by moving on the face of the what? The waters, right? Yeah. And then he, he says, let there be light, divides the light from darkness. And then he said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about the waters before he ever gathers together uh, the waters. And then he, he gathers together the waters. And then the dry land appears. Mm -hmm. And it's like the opposite of what we would do. And then he does the same thing with the, uh, with the fish. He says, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth. And so in Genesis chapter nine, you have the raven that's released and the dove or the dove that's released and the raven. Well, the, the raven first and then the dove, right? Mm -hmm. Hit my mind. Okay. So, but, but, but it's, it's water 
then it's air, then it's land. Mm-hmm. Water, then air, then land. And he does the same thing with the creation. Uh, mm. If you think of if, if with the uh, with the you water, then the air, then the land, right? And then you got the the fowls. I'm sorry, the whales and the fish and everything, and then the fowls in the air, and then you have the land. And I think when I think about how the Lord dealt with this thought, just came in my mind when you asked that. Um, when the Lord came in His ministry, He He came to fishermen, and I often wondered why He did not come to carpenters, because mm-hmm. ostensibly He would have known carpenters better. He would have understood that line of work as His stepfather was a carpenter. Um, and, you know, so we talk about he was this carpenter, and it never says he was a carpenter. He was the carpenter's son, but, you know, with Jewish tradition, you know, it, but, uh, it would have most likely. Uh, yeah, uh, no, it does call him once the carpenter. Does he call, does it call him the carpenter? Yeah, once, once it says the carpenter's son, but once it's the carpenter. What? Um, yeah. Are you, I have, don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that verse. Okay. okay. You're going to, you're going <laughs> to. Not, not you. Gonna, for the benefit of the people listening in, <laughs> you're going to ruin my theory. No, okay. So anyhow, okay. You're saying he was a carpenter, all right? But why didn't he go? Yeah. Okay, Mister. I oh, know all computers. these verses. My computer is stalling. Just okay. <laughs> are you? Aha! Aha! <laughs> okay. No, I will. One so of anyhow, the says the why did he? I think uh, Matthew call, says carpenter's son. But it, was it the epistle the of Barnabas? Were you talking Maybe about the gospel yeah. of Thomas? <laughs> yeah. Which which book are you referring to? Yeah. Shepherd of Hermes? I don't know what you read up there in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyhow. At the same time, it's stalling. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, so he goes to the fishermen, not to the carpenters. What do the carpenters represent? They represent the... Um, the trees, the living, uh, the, the trees that grow, uh, you know, the herbs, the, the trees and yep. all that, that come from the earth. So why did he go to the fishermen first and not, and not to them? Why did he call those types of people to come? And I know Dr. Ruckman talks about how, you know, he's, he came through the great deep and uh, he came to fishermen and uh, he said, I want to make you fishers of men. And I, right. I think it's, it's just, uh, it adds something to the question pile, what is that? So that's a good question. I never, I never even really considered it. Well, it seems like based on what you said, uh, what I wrote down is, it seems like uh, the Lord is putting more of a premium on distinguishing between water and land than mm-hmm. He is on mm-hmm. distinguishing between man and beast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon talks about that the Lord does things to show men, the children of men, that they themselves are beasts. Which, we, again, the evolutionists would jump on, but this is basically uh, showing you that without God, if he took away your reason and your mind, you would be just like the beast, which is what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. But yeah, that's, uh, it does fit the symmetry of land and water. Whatever reason, the Lord didn't, um, he seems to be putting a premium on that. I wonder why, that it would be that important to him. I, I got um, I got the concordance on my phone, by the way. So Matthew says, "Is not this the carpenter's son?" La 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 la. I can't hear you. I can't. I can't believe I never saw that before. There Mark, it is. Mark I looked it up. 
Yeah, there you go. Mark 6, verse Mark, 3. Mark, but notice the end of verse, and that fits with me, and they were offended at him. That is the <laughs> truth. <laughs> well, because I, I, I used to think the same until I came across the verse, so I've, I've said the exact same thing you just said. See, what was I just saying a moment ago? It's what it says. I said, wasn't I just saying a minute ago that, you know, you have these theories and then... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, one verse just messes it up. I think it was Josh... Oh. The thing that put me on it was Josh McDowell's book, or was it his son's book? I always forget, but there's oh, a famous yeah, book yeah, More yeah. Than a Carpenter. And mm-hmm. he calls Jesus a carpenter. It's yeah, Mark 6, verse 3. The lone verse. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. And, you know, that also, to me, like, you know, second generation Christian, you know, sometimes I find it fun to pop all these balloons that, you know, people are carrying through the fair, you know, and I'm like, that's not real. That's not the Bible. Right, and right, just, right. You know, you better take it easy, John. Take it easy on people. It still happens to all us. All right, I'll try. Oh, man. It's, I've had something in, in the middle of a... I was a lot more confident what I was saying, and somebody messes messes it up, and you're like, uh, <laughs> you're skate. We call it skating in Montreal, in Canada, when you're like trying to damage control it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Did we ever uh, did we ever talk about the Mandela effect on the podcast? I don't think so. I was just talking. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? Yesterday. Yeah, with like a false collective memory. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, somebody did it I once on a blog post I read where, well, it's because everybody assumes that Nelson Mandela died a long time ago. Ah, okay. And I don't know Got when it. he died, but it wasn't long ago if he died. Did he die? Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he did. When did he die? 2013. Yeah. yeah. So everybody kind of thought he, he died back in the seventies or sixties or something. Um, and I guess because he was in prison, people just thought, whatever. Okay, so the Mandela effect, somebody was talking about it in the Bible and how it never says um, oh, it never says wineskins in the Bible. And I'm like, that ain't true. Right. There is no way. There's no way. And uh, Bottles. But it says bottles. bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And... Maybe it says something about skins. I don't know. But we're way off track now, aren't we, brother? Yeah. But sometimes it's based on the Bible version you're reading, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That That's the, re- that's the reason. But this idea of wineskins um, is not in the King James Bible. Foreskins are in the Bible. Yes. Yes, they are. There's more than four of them. <laughs> There's a lot of them. That's, that's kind of bizarre. Diff- <laughs> that was that was my Bible reading a couple of days ago. And like, uh, Saul wants to give his daughter to to David, and he's like, uh, for a dowry, I want a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And then David goes out and gets two hundred of those. I mean, what's up? You're, you're, that boy is a baller. That's what he is. <laughs> I'm telling you, Middle Eastern ancient times, man. You can never do something <laughs> like that today. Don't don't think for I, you think that. You're not pulling the wool over my eyes, George. I know you're you and your people. You <laughs> yeah. guys would you would gut us like a fish in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I, I you know I could tell you some stories about the Lebanese war. That they they'd bring back ears. Oh, they'd bring mm. back ears. Yeah, that's yeah. Wow. anyway. So yeah, I don't know how we got on that. Okay. But uh, wow. 
Okay, back. 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 Yes. Um, so, you know how, uh, but there's all kinds of stuff going on here. He, uh, he talks about creating them after their kind. This is where I want to share my screen. And uh, he talks about the, the Lord creating all those creatures after their kind. He repeats it over and over in verse 21 twice, in verse 24 twice, and in verse uh, 25 three times. Um, you know, it's never said, though, of man, eh? He says one of the things that, that stands out for mankind is you've got, like, different species of animals. Where the Lord, You've got different species of dogs and different species of whatever, you know, sloths and things like that. But you don't have a different species of, of men. And you really see how uh, mankind stands uh, unique amongst, you know, amongst creation. But I guess we can hit that on day six. But what I want to share is when we imagine those creatures, and um, like we imagine Noah's Ark, and, you know, for kids' stories time, let's say, they've got all these creatures, and the recognizable creatures, and understandably so, in Noah's Ark, it wouldn't have been necessarily like that because we're talking about for for Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis, what they uh, theorize or what they posit is that you had whatever you have like. Okay, so God creates the 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 uh, the, the animals at the very beginning, uh, and depending on there wasn't necessarily the changes in weather patterns that we have today post flood, so those animals would have largely looked the same across the. 1600 years of time that it took between the creation and Noah's flood and from that point whatever those animals looked like you just need a pair a parent pair at the very top of the of the of the uh, chain and then from that so you just need canines you need a pair of canines on Noah's ark and then from that you would get all the other uh, uh, you you'd get all the species of animals of dogs that we have today and they differentiate between speciation and evolution speciation is biblical but it remains within its species, whereas evolution is not because the species change and they're not after their kind anymore. So let me, how do I, here, I'll share it on the screen. And maybe that we should have done, maybe I should do that on, on uh, when we talk about the flood, but it's so interesting. For, I know some people are probably listening on the audio, but you can see it uh, on YouTube if you want to see the video of that. Let me know if you see it uh, here. Don't see anything yet. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath. Okay. okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, there it is. Okay, so what I see is a palm tree, a butterfly, and unidentified amoeba. something. That's, I think that's uh, it's supposed to be an amoeba, like a bacteria. Is that a triceratops? I think yeah, tri yeah, and then a worm and like a you know fungus, whatever it is. <clears throat> but basically, if you if you look at the butterflies you know if you take the butterflies as an mm -hmm. example so there's all those so you've got a parent pair of butterflies that god creates um but that produces almost an interminable number of, of species of butterflies but they all they all um they all scale back to that original pair but all those mm -hmm. different species it's still a butterfly and, and their right. argument, and it makes sense, is that God built it. There's no, the, speciation does not bring in any new genetic information that's being created in the genome. All the, the coding is already there for all those differences between the, the animals. So mm -hmm. basically we can get into that more when we talk, talk about Noah's flood. But for now, all I want to show people is that when you imagine 
the creatures as they were in Genesis 1, they would have looked different than the creatures that we know today. Still, it would still be a hippopotamus. It would still be, still be a giraffe, uh, but it would, it would have looked different. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is if you were to combine all those things or to extract their distinctions and only keep their similarities, then you would, you would end up with something that maybe is not as, you would still be able to recognize it, but it would not be as, uh, I don't know, maybe not as cool, depending on what you wanted to do with that thing. And it, what it shows, yep. in my, it, it, uh, to my opinion, it shows that um, it's actually the opposite of evolution. It is on-purpose right. breeding that has brought this, which requires an intelligent being that is deciding we want to take these dogs with longer legs and breed them with dogs, a dog with a with longer legs, so they can race better. So you have greyhounds, um, you have Great Danes, and you have dogs like my dog, the little Dachshund, and and they all are coming. If you were to did you to call just it Dachshund? A Dachshund, Dachshund. Really, that's what you guys call it. Oh, that's cool. That's the first yeah, time I hear it called it like that. And uh, the American. What do you call it? I, I don't know. I just always thought it was like a German Dachshund, I think, you know? That's well, that's, the, I, I w that's probably the, I don't know how you say it in German. Oh, me neither. But I always imagined it would be said, that's the first time I hear an American use it, call it that. I guess first time I hear any American call it, and that's what it sounds like. That's just odd. That's all. <laughs> Dachshund? Don't you call it Dachshund? Dachshund. Yeah, Dachshund. Yeah. Dachshund. Interesting. Dachshund. Yeah, Dachshund. And uh, so... We have we have that little dog, and uh, you know she's just kind of tries to run the house, and she does a pretty good job. And then you have <laughs> the, you know the gigantic German shepherds in our neighborhood, and I, every time that those German shepherds go by, um, our dog Hazel just goes crazy. She barks at them, and and I just pick her up, and I'm like, I don't understand why she's upset. They're both from Germany. Why can't they just get along? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but does, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about that, then you combine all the all the stuff that would be the sim be, be similar, then you have a dog, whatever. And so after his kind, after his kind, after his kind, and we'll I, we'll talk about this in the uh, creation of man. But you know, we as humans, you are making a point that God doesn't say after his kind right. concerning the uh, humans, right? Like while uh, we're made in the image of God, but that's right. That's right. We don't speciate. But we found animals. we found a way to create speciation and, and differences within the human race. You know, we still yeah. have figured out a way to branch it out. You know, to um, I, I, to, to augment it. I mean, there's it's you know we'll get to that maybe in Genesis ten, but uh, there's like you know there's the children of Ham and Japheth and Shem, like the three ba mm -hmm. major races, but but the Bible does not consider them as a different species. Which God help us if we did. That's kind of you get Hitler, you know. Um, yeah. Where it oh man, I got some interesting world. stuff about that. Hello. Yeah. We get. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Um. So okay. So is anything else on this chart or this shared screen that you want to share with us? Uh, Ken's Ken's Ham uh, blog, I should say. That's uh, he has an art. He had an article on his blog, uh, and he says nine out of ten species alive today. This was he was ref referencing. This is a couple of years ago or last year, a recent uh, a study, and he references the studies, okay? Nine out of 10 species alive today have arisen in the last 200,000 years, according to a new genetic study. 
So now we're not going back millions of years all of a sudden. This research looked at select portions of DNA from 100,000 different species. And, quote, researchers found the telltale sign showing that almost all the animals emerged about the same time as humans. I don't feel like when I grew up, they were saying the animals were mm -hmm. there way, way before that. Not only that, the study also found, rather unexpectedly for evolutionists, quote, species have very clear genetic boundaries and nothing much in between. So there are several uh, creatures, and by several I mean in the King's English, uh, in the sense of distinct. Mm -hmm. So this is by presumably evolutionists saying that this, the species are more, dis they have more genetic, more distinct genetic boundaries than we expected, which falls in line with what God is saying, that he created things after their kind. Hmm. Once again, uh, score one for the Bible and, and, and detract one point or maybe multiple points yeah. for yeah. Uh, the Bible rejectors because over and over again, uh, the Bible proves itself to be right. And don't forget that it was the Lord who said, these are the distinctions. These are what, ha and what do we do? What if, uh, we spend our lives as humans trying to establish rules and laws that make sense. Um, and the scientists try to, they, they organize the animals in all of the different, you know, phylum, kingdom, species. I don't know. All, I can't remember. I'm sure you remember. Um, them. And yeah, go ahead. I was just looking at, at the notes. And, and so we spend all our life reject, you know, scientists spend their lives mm -hmm. rejecting the order of God and creating their own order and saying, here's how things actually worked. But because they know they're not God and because they, they have to be peer-reviewed as we all are peer-reviewed, they have to say it may be, it appears, it looks like right. quite possibly, almost certainly, you know, these types of things. It's just weird to me how ironic how we reject the order from God and we spend our lives looking for order, uh, looking for laws that we can say are definitive. Without acknowledging the lawmaker. Right. Now you want you want to talk about to uh, the Jonah. The Jonah, yes. That something happened. Um, I think it was at in Ohio during one of the one of the preachers. And again, I do the same thing all the time. When you quote a lot of verses, you're gonna make statements like that. But the, I think it was in the morning. One of the preachers was saying, talking about the, the fish. Yeah, I, yeah. I was brother. Um, well, it doesn't matter. But he was preaching on Jonah. He's a great man of God. And I'm really glad I got to meet him. A missionary he put me to shame with a zeal and uh, risk his life for the Lord Jesus Christ there in, in a foreign country. But he mentioned, uh, he said, you know, and the Bible doesn't never calls it a whale, by the way, about Jonah. Mm -hmm. Well, he's kind of. I, I heard that too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jonah, the, the book of Jonah doesn't call it a whale. It calls it a fish um, in, all the, in both chapters. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ that calls it a whale. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty. So it's definitely a whale that we're dealing with. <clears throat> uh, but, but I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I heard that too, and and I remember ever since I was a kid, I always heard Jesus said it was a whale, and uh, you know, so very interesting. But that you want to talk about the great whales and how they are mammals, like we are. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of crazy. But ha have you heard the theory on the the whale, <laughs> the hybrid, <laughs> the hybrid whale monster, Dagon theory? 
about the God of the Philistines being a yeah part man, part fish. Yeah. I mean, no, I guess, I suppose not. More than that, I don't know, no. Well, I don't know how I got it, but a friend of mine, uh, Brother Brett Bartlett, he, he, he's got, I mean, he's got ideas for days. And I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, you mean that's like the half-man, half-fish god that the Assyrians, the Ninevites, would have worshipped. Right. And because I was talking to him about where did, uh, where you know, what, what happened? Where did the giants come from? Okay. And uh, and so he started talking about. <laughs> he started and, and listen. I'm only laughing because I don't understand it. And I've learned. I've learned. He knows a lot, lot more than I do. So I had to be careful. But he he said they came out of the sea. Where did these things come from? They came out of the sea, and um, it's interesting how that's what they say. Life life came out of the sea, right? Yeah. And um, the idea was that. When, when Jonah went down, he was taken down by a hybrid type of a thing. And um, let, me find, let me find out what it was. Hold on a second. I'm looking to, to make sure I don't say anything that he didn't say. But, uh, yeah, yeah. He was talking about the sea and how... And how they uh, they came up on the coast of Philistia, and over generations, that you know, they mixed their seed with these sea mammals, and then they came up on the coast. I'd never heard that that before. Very interesting, um, because I was talking about Job chapter twenty six, verse uh, five: dead things are formed from under the waters, the water, and the inhabitants thereof. And yeah, and um, you know, the Philistines worshipped that half sea half sea mammal half um man type of thing and that that possibly was what took jonah to hell and back again so there's that to hell well his soul i mean he didn't go down bodily to hell it's it's almost like an, an i mean it's a cool explanation but it's, i think it's needless because his uh, his body's in the whale uh, wherever it's swimming, but his soul went down to hell. So you've got his soul in hell, his body is in the in the whale, and his spirit presumably with the with the God, just as Jesus dying on the cross. Um, there's definitely those uh, hybrid gods. They're there, uh, mm -hmm. and the, I've I've got a picture of those some of those Assyrian priests with the, like a head of a fish. They've got it on their head, you know, and and uh, and it's uh, the robe flowing down behind on their back. It's just, um, fish scales. And some people say that the Pope's hat is actually based on that. Although historically, that's not accurate. Not that I dis discount any connection between the Pope's and heathenism. Of course not. But uh, and the brother mentioned that um, in Ohio when he, in, when he was preaching in, in John, John Jonah one seventeen, the Bible says, and "Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah." So the fact that the Holy Spirit kind of identified um, it's it's. Um, noting for us that there was some kind of special extra care taken of God to make this thing possible. You know, mm -hmm. so, right. it, you know, it, didn't, it doesn't have to be like a, a monster thing other than the Lord did something with that fish. And we've had cases, uh, it's been confirmed, I, I checked it out to make sure that, of, uh, that the whales can swallow a human being. Some of them can. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the whole 19th century. I don't know if you ever heard that story about James Bartlett. They were, there was a story, yes. 19th century story, but he was like a, 
swallowed up by a whale and, and, and they cut up the whale and they found him inside. That actually is not true. The, there's no source for the story. It's just uh, somebody repeated it over and over and over and over again. And it comes up in sermons. But, but whales can swallow uh, human beings. There was also the argument that whales cannot be, are not to be found in the Mediterranean Sea because that's where Jonah would have been. And uh, I've got the article a few years ago, a, great, a gray whale that usually swims around the North Atlantic showed up in the Mediterranean Sea past the, past the Straits of Gibraltar. And then also a few years ago, they f- and again, I've got all these things referenced, they found at the bottom of the Straits of Gibraltar, you know, at the bottom of the sea, just where at the mouth there of where the Mediterranean Sea connects with the Atlantic Ocean, they found the bones of whales. And so they're like, oh, well, there used to be whales in the Mediterranean Sea. So there's nothing that uh, out of the ordinary about the idea of a a whale in the Mediterranean Sea swallowing swallowing a man, especially when the Bible tells you that whale had been specifically prepared of God for that very purpose. And, mm-hmm. you know, I never really got what the controversy was about, except for the taxonomical controversy that uh, you can't call a whale a fish because whales are mammals. Hmm. Well, as, as I'm reading, you're talking about uh, all of the uh, historical the historical applications or the historical references and citations, I think it's very important because, you know, sometimes we take the Bible just, okay, we live in the Bible world, but a lot of people don't live in the Bible world, and mm-hmm. it can help them, in a sense, to have a bridge to realize, yeah, we, we can read the newspaper too. It's just that we've read it enough to to realize that it's not always reliable, um, but the Bible is always reliable. But I think having that, you mentioned that when you were here, um, basically along the lines of having something that you could use in your conversations with lost people to help stop their their arguments and to help them just take a chill pill and relax and say, okay, these people are not total idiots, you know. Um, I like that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Did you did you notice anything else you wanted to say on on the? Uh, the Jonah and the Great Whale. Well, yeah. So the, the to be, just keep in mind that when when the, the taxonomists would argue that a, a fish, a whale, is not a fish, but first of all, it though it becomes it becomes a, a source question. Really, is but how do you, how according to what criteria do you classify your taxonomy? And the taxonomy is always changing. I mean, any at any given point, anybody you can go on the internet. And uh, check taxonomy and see how taxonomy it, it evolves. The classification evolves, and they'll take one species and they put it in another in another category because they found out something recent about that species. And any any mm-hmm. number of Wikipedia article about uh, about particular animals, they'll say, "Well, we used to classify it as this species. Now we've changed because the criteria for classifying the species have changed." They have for planets. I grew up as Pluto being a planet. You know. Mm-hmm. Now they say, "Well, it's not a planet." Some people are arguing there's actually thirteen planets. Because there's little other planetoids that that fit the criteria. Oh so, yeah, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it uh, keep in mind that the criteria for taxonomy are ever changing, and then the Bible has its own. They have a fit too about the same thing. Not just about the fish and whale thing. They have it about bats being classified as fowls in Leviticus chapter eleven. In Leviticus chapter eleven, bats are classified as fowls, and then you've got people well. You know, bats are not fowls because they're the only flying mammals. Well, the way, so if you're going to classify it over, like, if it feeds its, feeds its young milk because they're sucking at, at, at the teats, 
is one thing, but you can classify it however you want. I mean, clearly here, uh, the Bible is classifying fish as anything that's in the anything that's in the waters. So you're classifying them based on the medium in which they operate and inhabit. And bats are being classified as foul because they 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 move through the medium of air. It's a perfectly valid system as long as you're consistent with it. Um. Well, okay. Yeah, I, now you got me thinking, and I'm, I've got to ask a question. Okay, so this is where I feel like an idiot, but I'm going to say it. A fish is a vertebrate which has gills and fins adapting it for living in the water. That's the definition of of a fish. Right? So yeah. how does that how does that not uh work because of the because of the blowhole? That's the, the difference with the fins do so all the, whales the have whale, fins? Is it, the, what, what the is whale, it has gills and fins adapting it for living in the water. That's it? That's what okay. it says. Well. Old English. Whale, and whales have, whales have fins. Yeah. Do they have gills? To breathe underwater. That's, I, how else would they breathe? I don't know. That's. Uh... Yeah, that's, I mean, this is when we get no, in the, trouble, when we try to, the, we're doing the research on the fly. Are, yeah. Common fish attributes are they lay eggs, they're cold-blooded, they have gills. They uh, they have gills to extract oxygen from the water. They have an exoskeleton, which could be cartilage or bone. Like sharks, I didn't know this. I don't know if you know this, but sharks don't have a bone in their body. It's all cartilage, which is amazing to think that, to me. And they rarely care for their young, and they and they they display horizontal movement through water. Whales move their tails vertically to propel themselves forward. Common mammal attributes is they give birth, they're warm-blooded, they breathe oxygen. Okay, so that's what it is. Whales come to the surface for oxygen. Right, right. Right, okay, and so that's it. This is, that's the, that's, that's the so difference. So they don't have gills. They would not have gills. Mm-hmm. That's where I was getting confused, and I was like, man, I haven't, been, I haven't done biology in All a right. long time. They have an endoskeleton versus an exoskeleton. Sweat glands and hair. Some whales have hair, but sit Tasians, in general, so the whale family, do not have sweat glands. And they all feed their young by producing milk through their mammary glands. So, uh, But that's one way to, but again, it depends on the criteria according to which you're classifying the said animals. And you can, you can reclassify it, say, well, I'm, anything that's in the water, I'm going to call a fish. And everything that flies in the air, I'm going to call a fowl. And everything that uh, moves on land, I'm going to call a beast, independently of how it feeds its young or how it breathes, which is, it's fair, as long as you're consistent. And in their narrow-mindedness scientists, they, they, they will tell you that Aristotle was, the, Aristotle was the first to separate whales and dolphins from fish, okay? But the truth is it was Moses. I mean, Moses is aware of some of those distinctions. And in the book, look, he, uh, right here in front of us in Genesis one twenty, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the ferment in the earth, um, above the earth in the open ferment of heaven. And he says in verse 21, and God created great whales, that's one category, and every living creature that moveth, moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. So right there, Moses himself is distinguishing uh, whales from the rest of marine life and fish. 
You've got it mm. right there in verse 21. He's, sep- he's putting whales on the side. So at one point he classifies... So the book of Jonah classifies whales as fish because they swim in the water. But Moses, long before Jonah, is aware that there's a distinction between whales and the rest of the marine life. Mm. He distinguished between whales and fish. Um, and... Yeah, so... Yeah, just one, a last thing, just because... I'm sorry, Brother John, just because I saw it here in my notes. To, to line up with that... Uh, the prophet Jeremiah in 585 BC is aware that whales, whales are mammals because in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 3, he says, even the sea monsters draw out the breast they give suck to their young ones. So Jeremiah in 585 BC, long before Aristotle, is aware that whales are mammals. Hmm. Which any whale fisherman would have known anyway. Right. So this is actually a good a good study for um, for someone, and this is how this is what's been happening to George and I since since we were young, since we were teens. Um, you you hear something that makes you go, "Wait a second! Does the Bible know this? Does God know this? Or is it all just something made up and people just made up a you know a lie?" And and then you go and you research it, and you and you research what happens over time is you start giving God the benefit of the doubt more and more and more and more. Because why? Because every single time you put it in God's hands, he gives you an answer. And if he doesn't give you an answer, he gives you enough grace to handle it until you have an answer. Like, I've come to God so many times in my life where it's like kind of freaked out. Like, oh no, this is it. This is the death knell. This is the, you know, the one, the one aberration that that no one can answer. And then it's like, boom, 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 over the years. God always answers. And he, he, why? Because he's trustworthy. He gives you just enough to trust him. So go into that thing I, and, and study it out. You know, if you're listening, go study mm-hmm. it out in Jonah and, you know, find out what it is. There's more. Teach us, you know, send it to us. We're, we're doing research on the fly here. <laughs> oh, man. But it's, it, it's just awesome. They are paper tigers, those objections. I've, I've felt what you felt. And if you have an honest heart, now, now, the more I live, the more I look back, and I can't believe that these things used to throw me for a loop. I mean, you really see how they're paper tigers. The, science, the, mm-hmm. the profane world of science is a house of cards. I love science, but the, mm-hmm. the arrogance with which certain statements are made are, are, are given the limited amount of knowledge and the ever-changing level of knowledge. And correcting level of knowledge is is on, is um, well, it's arrogant, really. Uh, of, yes. And and they, they present it as like the the scorn that you have towards the Bible because you're coming to it with your own criteria and your own standard of judgment, where the Bible does mm. God does not have to submit to twentieth century taxonomists and their classification systems. And you know, as we were talking, I was I was I had just said it dawned on me. I said like any whale fisherman would know. We talk about whale fishing mm. all the time. You're talking about whale fish. We've got them here in, in northern Canada. We've got three territories, Nunavut, Yukon, and the Northwestern Territories. And the native people there, they live off of whale fishing. And everybody calls it whale fishing. But if you're going to be that technical, it's not whale fishing. You're going whale whaling it's because yeah. whales aren't fish. But, you mm-hmm. know, the Bible also is speaking to the common man. So it's not a mm-hmm. taxonomical textbook for your for class. But in, you know, my experience... There's an answer that the Lord has that I just don't know about yet. And it's like, 
all the stars align, so to speak, and it's like, oh, that's the answer to that. Wow. And then you feel like, okay, I guess I'm stupid. I should have known that. But um, so, you know something else, Brother George? I I was looking at, um, did you notice there in, in Genesis 1 where the Lord said in verse 22, it's a phenomenal statement. I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, another verse. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. Genesis one twenty two says almost the exact same thing. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let fowl multiply in the earth. Um, here's God saying to the, the fish, the whales, the fowl, be fruitful and multiply, just like he did to mankind in verse number 27. Um, he says in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And uh, it's really cool just to see how the Lord gives that same command to the fish and how in the New Testament the Lord said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um and that, that combination of fishing, not just one, but Peter was there for the miracle of the, the, the where the net break. Yeah. And there was how many fish? I don't know, 200? 150. Uh, well, at the, uh, if you're talking about after the resurrection, there was 153. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and how the Lord uh, uses that metaphor of fishing and how that, that, be fruitful and multiply. I've never seen that before. Connected with the fish being fruitful and multiply, multiplying. Um, you know, we think of, of the sons, you know, the sons of God. We're here to bring many sons to glory and, um, huh. you know, how how we're supposed to, okay, as humans, yeah, be fruitful I, I and multiply. You. Yeah, amen. And how amen. The, the fish, the fish, you know, we think about catching fish, but fish are supposed to, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply, right? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Just a um, an echo there in the first chapter that I had never seen before. I was uh, when I read that, I, it makes me wonder if, like, because um, you know, he's telling man to replenish the earth, and if the devil and the angels were on the earth before their own Luciferian flood, mankind is kind of replenishing the face of the earth because God is now going to populate it with man rather than angels. Um, makes me wonder if he had also exterminated whatever life forms may have been there in, in Lucifer's flood. I, although there, you know, I don't know. Who's, who's that brother you said is he has ideals till tomorrow? It'd be, it'd be nice to talk to him someday, pick his brain about this kind of stuff. Oh, oh, brother. He, yeah, he's a, he's a whiz. Oh, he's a crazy, he's a crazy man. He is, he's got so many ideas. It's like stuff I'd never heard before. Um, so yeah, I'll introduce you to him. Yeah, He's cool. a lot of fun. He actually mentioned you. He said he had heard, uh, somebody had said, yeah, I like to listen to, uh, George Antonios. Like, who are these people? He mentioned, uh, brother Gene Kim and George Antonios and somebody had mentioned them to him. Oh, that's the guy and, from, uh, uh, you said theology Roundtable. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I listened yeah. to one podcast he, when you mentioned that. Yeah, they've, he's got some, some stuff I've never, 
ever, ever considered. Well, the something else I think it's important to note here is the the fact that the waters. Dr. Ruckman does a good. He's the one that kind of uh, showed me that where he he points out that the waters bring forth physical life. And uh, and he connects it with John chapter three verse five, where the Lord tells uh, only the second time around, when Nicodemus when Jesus talks about being born again, he doesn't mention water the first time, and then Nicodemus says, "How can a man be born again? Um, be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born?" And only at, after that question, the Lord replies with, "Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, you know, he can't uh, see the kingdom of God." And there, Doctor Eckman makes the point that being born of water is simply a reference to the physical birth being because your mother's water breaks. And then he references that back to Genesis chapter 120. He says, look, waters bring forth physical life, not spiritual. And so being born of water is a reference to being born physically and not a reference to being born again spiritually. Hmm. Yeah, you know, the other, uh, what, what other folks say there is in regards to uh, John 3, they say that the, the water is the water of the word of God. And... The, you know the water and um, and the spirit, so you got to have the word of God and the spirit. And I understand why they say that, but the problem is, um, you 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 don't have a man unless he's physical, because he 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 says right. that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Correct. That which is born right. of the spirit is spirit, and he's making a distinction between physical life and spiritual life. Correct. And it's not just a matter of being reborn physically, it's a matter of your spirit being reborn, uh, right? Or being born. So, yeah, that's a, that's another uh, kind of a deep hole to go down. But that's that's a very good point too. Physical life comes first, and be fruitful and multiply. Said to that, and people do. They are fruitful and they do multiply physically. But there's so many parallels with the spiritual because the Lord told that to Noah to Adam. He told it to Noah, and he said, and then he told it in, Gen, in Matthew chapter 28, go ye into all the world, like he told us to go into all, you know, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and then he told us spiritually to do that. But yeah. I had never really seen the, uh, that, that physical side of, of the whales and, um, and the fish. So anyhow. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, doesn't Paul tell us that uh, we are married unto God? unto Jesus Christ in Romans 7, that we may bring forth fruit unto God. So this idea of mm. uh, winning souls is a multiplication of Christians. We are, he wants us to multiply too, definitely. Mm -hmm. but, well, man alive. What else you got? I mean, we're, we're, at, we're over an hour at this point. So I think it's good. We've covered day five. Yes. Well enough. Man, this has been fun. It's been fun. Um, I hope we're not boring people too much because... You know, sometimes really, this is just like a free for all conversation. It's not like we're going to teach you something here. We're asking ourselves questions as much as anything else. And um, I like that verse you mentioned from Daniel. You know, they, uh, the, the two saints talking, and um, they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Uh, a book of remembrance is written. And um, um, it's the important. Malachi, yeah. Yeah, uh, it is. That's, that's, uh, it's biblical to do exactly that. He says, thou shalt talk mm. of them when thou sittest down uh, in thy house, when mm. thou walkest by the way and when thou risest up. I mean, that's literally the greatest commandment is, you know, talk Bible as much as you can, because it'll, it'll keep your mind on the things of God. 
Yeah, I don't know if your if your wife does this. I'm sure she does sometimes, but uh, my wife will sometimes when I when I get done preaching, she'll start asking me questions, and like I I don't even know the answers. I'm like, um, well, yeah, that's a great question. I don't. It's because you hear one person talking about the Lord and how they see things, and they start asking you questions and expands the, your perspective mm. on the Lord. Absolutely, and it's phenomenal. Absolutely, it's such a blessing, and I, I'm hoping that this this does you this that is what this podcast does for you. Um, I've listened to podcasts before that have really gotten me interested, uh, but what I find is when you add in a lot of things from um, pop culture or even from you know even from the sciences, there's a danger in like what is the authority, and mm. so our, our goal for this podcast is. King James Bible is the authority, it's the final authority, and that's that's all. But that does not mean that we know everything about it. We learn more and more. And what I see as we get into it more and more, I see like it's this world that is like expanding. There's layers and layers. It's this universe. It's infinite. And I feel like I'm kind of floating in a universe as I learn about the Bible. Absolutely. I, I, I tell my wife, I wish I had seven lifetimes to study the book. And everything connected with it. It's one of the things about the Bible I love. Is it's so? If you're going to study it, you're going to end up studying not only theology, definitely that. You're going to end up studying biology, marine biology, astronomy, astrology. Mm. You know, you're gonna you're gonna study physics and chemistry, and and uh, and anthropology. And there's 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 it's just. Because everything is <laughs> covered. Right. It's got statement on everything. And if you're going to understand, you're going to have to say, oh, I got to study this. I got to study that. And you really come away yeah. as, as somebody who's, who's informed about a number of things in the image of the book. It's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a, honestly, I wish, I, I wish it was thicker. I know that we, we already get lost in the 66 books we have, but man, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I wish you had written a longer book, you know? Well, the things that, you know, should have been written, it yeah, would've, it would have. The world itself could not contain. You know, good point. Um, I just, I imagine all those things that God, if if it were us, you know, we would have put it in there. And He said, no, that's they've got what they need. But uh, imagine sitting down and and by the way, the first Bible study, you know, post resurrection, um, is there on the seashore, right, where they're eating with the uh, the fish. They're eating fish, having caught the fish, and they're eating fish and honey, and you know, the Lord is oh. having this Bible study with them. Uh, I guess the Luke 24, the road to Emmaus is another Bible study. But as far as, like, they know they're getting together with Jesus. Um, mm. It's interesting that it's on the seashore. And it's back to kind of the the, the origin of where they started. Oh, and, yeah, uh, you got the word of God in the waters there and the fish. That's cool. Yeah, the Spirit of God moving on the waters as they're, you know... Thou hearest the sound thereof, canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And uh man. that's cool. Man, there's so many there's so many connections, aren't there? I gotta write that down. That's cool. I enjoy uh, it. Hey, did you ever did you ever see that thing? I, did I did I mention it last week? I'm 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 so intrigued by it. I probably did. When, you mentioned Agape Phileo um there in John, where they're having the Bible study and Peter says, um the Lord said, "Lovest thou me?" Did did we talk about that? Uh, I mentioned it earlier here in the, in the podcast, but um, I 
I don't know where. Vaguely recall having something of that conversation recently. I just can't place it. I think it probably was in the in the in the former podcast. But I'm going to say it one more time. Okay, I know, guys. I know we're at almost eight minutes over an hour. Wow. But I, I do want to say it because it it just goes to show you stuff that I've never even really I've never thought of that all of a sudden you're like, oh, there it is. So. You know, Dr. Gipp does a great thing on the agape phileo and how you can't yeah. really tell which word is used. Right. But right there in the English text, the Lord asks him three times, and and he says to him, he saith unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And right, okay, yeah. In the English text, there it is. He says it three times, lovest thou right. me? Right, third time, yeah. And uh, third time is is the same as the first time. And uh, it, it's the Bible's sufficient. It's all that you need. That's good, man. So just, you know, hang in there and trust the Word of God. And and it, he's not going to just let you become an egghead. If if you try to just stuff it all in your head and, like, I'm going to learn this thing, I'm going to get it down, be careful because there's the issue of authority. God's not going to give his Word authoritatively through somebody who thinks he's the Mac Daddy. He, he will let you say whatever you want to say, but you don't know whether your heart is getting kind of slanted towards dominance, towards, you know, being an authoritarian figure, and you think you're speaking for God, but you don't realize the Spirit of God is no longer with you. And um, you got to be careful. you got to be careful to say, hey, listen, this is the Word of God, and I want to speak authoritatively about God's Word. But uh, but but be careful in my own heart that I don't become this guy who thinks he's right about everything just because I I've read somebody else or watched somebody on YouTube. So anyhow, I'm not sure where that goes. But I I think this has been a great discussion. We probably should uh, probably should tie it off here at this point. Anything else you want to add to it today? No, that's pretty much done. Looking forward to day six where God creates us. <laughs> See what that <laughs> the does. The pinnacle of creation. The pinnacle. Yes. The best yes. My, my Don't wife, get me started. Said, you guys, you, really, the women are the 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 most refined state of creation possible. You know, it's the really the cherry mm. on the on the cream there on the cake. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, uh, the women are um, are made out of made out of man. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Are we uh, Are we ready for that? Our wives will let us know. <laughs> 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 oh man, this has been this has been awesome. Uh, so listen, guys, we're going to close it down today. But if you're if you're interested in getting in touch with us, you can reach us on uh, via email at witsendguys at gmail dot com. Witsendguys at gmail dot com, and uh, check it out. See if there's something there that maybe you got a question. Um, you want to send us an idea, uh, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. We're having a great time, enjoying ourselves, and I trust that God's going to bless you and your ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- whatever you're doing for the Lord, um, just keep doing it. If you're not doing something for God, it's time to get up and move forward. Let's do something. Uh, we don't know whether we're going to see the Lord face-to-face tonight, tomorrow, mm-hmm. or in 10, 1,500 years. So let's do something for God while we have the time. Brother George, great to be back with you. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to next week. We're going to have a time. But until then, you guys stay faithful, and uh, we love you. We'll talk to you next time.